Welcome to Wednesday Comics. Brought to you by RootsOfTheSwampThing.com and Supercon 2018, Return of the Con. Keep turning those pages. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, we have Shredder himself, Alex. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. And across from me, Superman himself, Garrett. How you doing? Doing super. My name is Marvin. My name is Steve Rogers, Captain America. We're here today. A very special episode. So uh, usually when we do these episodes ahead of time, I try to play it off like uh, we're doing it the week of. But I'm not going to do that this week because... Uh, the books we're we're going to be talking about. Um, I'll tell you that in a second. So this is in place of I we I probably had my child this week, um, and so we were taking the week off, but we're still going to provide you content. So here it is. What we're going to do in this episode is not like a normal episode. On a normal episode, we talk about the books that came out that week. We review them. On this episode, we're playing a little catch up. So this is the Wednesday Comics review, like re catching up with Garrett, catching up. With Garrett WC edition, and we're going to go through and talk about some books we haven't talked about in a while. Some books that came out that weren't on the show, like maybe came out like a one or two issues that people wanted to know about, but also we won't have stuff to say about. So these books, uh, this as as of one twenty twenty nineteen. So if any other issues have came out between now and the first week of February, we haven't read those. This is only up to one twenty. Um, so we have a good nice list for you. That's all this is going to be. And first, we're going to talk about a book that Garrett has been clamoring and saying it's the best thing coming out of DC. And here he is, himself. Garrett, what are you talking about? So we got some action comics uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by a whole mega shit ton of people. Um, so this book, like I've been saying in forecasts and other shows, like it's surprising to me how great this is compared to its brother title, uh, Superman, which is absolute dog shit. Um, this book is probably the only Superman book that needs to be on the stands right now because it is through and through everything you want to read about Superman. It's Clark Kent at the Daily Planet. It's Superman investigating a threat to Metropolis. It's Superman doing his day-to-day job. Um, while doing his actual work job, too. Um, you get all your favorite cast characters. You get Perry White, you get Clark Kent. Uh, there's a couple new characters in there. You get some Jimmy Olsen. Um, I'm surprised he gets more than a page in some of these issues. And uh, you get some Lois, too, obviously. Um, well, we're, what's going on right now in Action Comics is there's this entity called the Red Mist who's kind of controlling the metropolis underground um and what this red mist is doing is causing a lot of random uh building fires all over metropolis and framing superman to be the culprit um so everyone's kind of being a little weird with their trust with uh superman um there's a new uh, alliteration named character. I think it's uh, Melody Moore is the new fire chief. Um, so she's the new girl with a, the alliteration name. Um, 
And so she knows that it's not Superman because that's her job is to study fires, make sure, you know, figure out who commits arson. And it's not Superman. It's this red mist character. Um, and so only Melody Moore and Superman know this. Um, and, and so way back in action comics, zero, not zero, whatever the, what was that comic that we all hated when Bendis first did his preview for Superman? DC zero. DC. Yeah. DC nation zero. Yeah. So you got introduced to that character. I think it was Robinson. Good. Was your name? Hopefully not named after James Robinson, but whatever. Um, so it turns out that she's spoilers, the red mist. Um, and so she works at the daily planet. So it's kind of like a similar thing. Like Clark works for the newspaper, but whereas Clark is obviously a superhero, a red mist is using the daily planet as uh find gathering information for easier accessibility to make, to commit crimes. Um, so it was revealed last week that she's the mastermind behind all the fires and whatnot. And now it's getting deeper, deeper into the Metropolis underground. Um, and what I would say is really cool is there's some lady that appears to be the organ, like red miss boss. And she just bought the daily planet. This lady, she kind of reminds me of Amanda Waller. I can't remember what her name is. Um, she looks like Amanda Waller, but I don't think it's her. Um, but you can tell that she's very rich and powerful. She even has, and the cliffhanger is, she has the green car that Superman first smashed into the cliffside from Action Comics 1, uh, sitting in her apartment, just chilling. So uh, that was pretty cool. Homage to uh, Superman's origins and his first ever comic. Um, but anyways, I would say if you love Superman, and you're looking for a good book to read that has some mystery, has a lot of Superman action and a lot of character development about Clark Kent. This is the book for you. Um, I'm very shocked how great this is, but uh, I'm glad that Bendis is doing something right with Action Comics. <clears throat> action Comics by Brian McCormick and as he stated, a bunch of artists. It's uh, you know what? Uh, should I? It's you know what kind of Superman I like, Garrett. We've talked about yes. this numerous times in the past. Is this something I uh, should catch up on? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, you know, we on our podcast a couple weeks back, we were talking about like Captain America and Black Panther. Yeah. Like this feels like the truest form of Superman um, that I've gotten in a long time, you know, and I think that this would be something that you and Alex would actually enjoy. Like I, I think, you know, Bendis, but it was scary when he first came on because he had some horrible shit. And that's why everyone was like scared to read his Superman stuff. Um, I totally recommend at least action comics. You don't have to worry about Superman, but action comics, I think you would both thoroughly enjoy because it is that greatest form of Superman. Action comics. How many issues up did you say? Uh, we're at 1006. So 1000, uh, I got to catch the bun. Nah, you got to start. <laughs> I would say, Bendis' run starts at 1001. So start at 1001, go to 1006, and you're caught up. Action, Five issues. Action Comics, speaking of DC, we got Young Justice. Uh, Alex, who, what Young Justice? What's the team on there? Creative team. Those are Brian Michael Bendis and Patrick Gleason on art. Yep. 
Brian Michael Bendis again. Here he is with Patrick Leeson of former Superman fame. Uh, guys, how's Young Justice? <clears throat> I'll let you go, so, Alex. You, you say what your your piece about it. So, for one issue, I I, I wanted to give Brian Michael Bendis the benefit of the doubt that he knows how to write a book, as Garrett had just told you. Uh, Action Comics is spectacular. I don't. I don't know if I'm finding that Brian Michael Bendis isn't a writer that I actually enjoy, and I realize I haven't had a lot of nice things to say about him in the past. But I want. I really did want to be a good guy and give that chance. And maybe I don't care for. Like I like the Teen Titans, but this I don't know if it rubbed me the wrong way. If just the story didn't interest me, like the bad guys, I thought were really neat. Uh, so we <clears throat> run into this what Opal Clan or the the Gemstone masters or whatever their name is and they only show up to pick a fight with superman and apparently tim drake is in uh metropolis what's what's the girl's name hex what's her first name hex jasmine hex or something right anyway i'm assuming jonah hex's great 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 granddaughter showed up jenny hex okay so jenny hex is in town runs into Robin, for some random reason, because she apparently was going to shoot these. There's a lot of things in this book that just kind of drove me nuts and how these random characters all happen to be in town. Because I saw that we ran into um, Wonder Girl, who's afraid to use her powers, is how I understood it to be. But, you know, if you think about what this book is trying to do, it's trying to get young readers to read this book. Um, It's trying to introduce these characters to new readers. And I think it did a really great job of doing that with still holding true to who these characters are and for those of that, that have followed these characters. So, yes, I think, I think I've never seen Jenny Hex before in my life. Uh, I think maybe she was just created for this book, um, just like the Green Lantern girl. Um, the other, well, Bart, Connor, and uh, what's her name? Is she Tim, Tim and uh, oh, what's her Wonder Girl, I don't remember what her real name is. Right. Not Donna Troy. I think it's Cassie Sandsmark. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I think they're trying to be fair to new readers and give them like a fresh take on who these characters are. Um, I could tell that you didn't enjoy Bart that much, but that's kind of who he is. He's like probably he's more jokier than any Flash. And he's yeah, he's like. The comic relief, I would say, just because he's kind of peppy and kind of dumb and just like goes head first into situations. I, you know, the weird thing is he doesn't come off peppy. He just comes off as a chatterbox who doesn't know when to shut up. And yeah. I think that's part of what, and I think that's what kind of bothered me is that they really made him seem more childish than I'm used to. And I guess the only thing I've read him in was Teen Titans from New 52, where he's kind of a douche, a douche bag. So I, I I'm I'm getting mixed responses on how this character is supposed to be, but it really I totally see where you're coming from on that. Like they do make Bart seem way younger than the last time we saw him, and that that's like an interesting choice because he's he does seem like the rookiest of rookies on this team. Well, then and the the Green Lantern girl, she was I, I again like if you said if she's actually been brought in specifically for this book, a new character whatever but i don't even know what this girl looks like because the whole time she's in a robot-esque green lantern suit which was neat right but it was kind of not necessarily misleading 
But there's just I, I'm there's a part of me that wants to give this book a little more uh, chance to flush itself out to get me to actually like these characters, but it left kind of like a bad taste. This is like I ate salmon that was two days old and I shouldn't have <laughs> probably eaten it. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I guess I'm kind of full, but I'm also kind of like, oh, I could go throw up or, you know, have diarrhea all night long. I don't. Wow. Is, I can tell this isn't a book that I'm going to enjoy. So I think as of right now, I just need to be done with it. I gave it a shot. Didn't like it. I don't know. Like Patrick Gleason's art's really great. I think I thought the story was really easy to follow. You know, this obviously this first arc is going to be bringing all the Young Justice characters together. Um I I like the way that Superboy's new look looks, like Connor's look. It looks pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to need some time to, like I think, set itself apart from other books. And if it doesn't do that by issue three for me, I might join you in that venture. But I still think it was interesting enough to keep me reading at least the next issue and a couple more. Uh, so it does look fun. And again, I don't think the plot's ever going to get too difficult because, again, I think this is for that younger generation of readers. Um, and it's going to be a lot more fun than most <laughs> serious comic books. Okay. So, Connor, this is the first time he's shown up in Rebirth, right? Uh, yeah. Since Rebirth has started, it's been a long okay. time. So we haven't seen him in a long time. He actually was the best part of this whole book because he's the one that I think I may be related to the most, which I expected it to be Tim Drake. And this Tim Drake seemed to be like the Batman adventures of Batman and Robin where he's right. 10, he's 10, maybe 12 instead of being the, you know, 28 year old guy that we all know. So, there's, so maybe there's this could that, be its own universe. I guess it hasn't been established, but I, I do find it weird too. Yeah. That we're getting a very adult Tim and like detective comics, but this is like very, I'm surprised they're not using like Damien. And I know he's in the teen Titans, but I, it's, well, I thought he was Damien at first because right. like, oh, that actually looks like Damien's suit. Doesn't look like the Red Robin suit. Doesn't even look like the regular uniform that Tim would wear. I thought, okay. Then when I heard the words that came, or I read the words that came out of his mouth, I thought that seems way too polite and well put together instead of a, a regular Damien. Uh, I'm a jackass. Listen to me, type of thing. I I want to like this, and I. I think depending on what you say issue two sounds like and how it reads, if it actually does pick up, I may be interested, but there's just not enough things that keep me on the ball. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't care for it, so I'll probably just have to be done. I don't mean to burn it. I'll burn it right now. But you guys have been going back and forth that this is in continuity or in its own world. I believe the Wonder Comics line is its own universe. Okay. That's good to know. I believe. Don't take. I mean, okay. don't take that as gospel. But I believe. I remember when I read that announcement that Bennis was doing that new line. It was like it was going to be like his ultimates, where it's going to be its own oh. universe for him to do whatever. So, oh, if it were cool. its own thing, then at least this would be more interesting. Things would make more sense. I think it's a part of for me is that logically it bugs me. It doesn't add up to everything else. I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure when I read it, I was like, okay, this is basically what they did with Ultimates, and Bendis was in charge of that, and he had Ultimate Spider-Man, and they gave him Young Justice to do the same thing. So, I mean, uh, pretty sure, pretty sure, pretty sure. Okay, go back. You have anything else to say about Young Justice? Nope. So, Alex, you're on the fence, and Garrett, you uh, enjoyed it, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks like uh, that ultimate Spider-Man kind of itch. So if you have younger readers, that might be a good place for them to start. Especially, I think that I think that's another reason why it's its own universe is because they don't even have that much continuity and be like, "Hey, read this." You can give it to any kid. So 
Right. Now, TMNT, these are turtles, right, Alex? They are turtles. <laughs> they announced they're going to reboot that movie franchise, so Alex is on board, no matter what they do, he said. And so <laughs> his love for the turtles knows no bounds, especially in this series, so much so that a uh, friend of the show, hashtag guesthost one was reading TMNT 2, and then Garrett jumped on board reading TMNT 2. So Garrett and Alex, these turtles, have gone through a lot. And how many issues, Alex? 90, or again, the next issue will be issue 90. Issue 90 plus a bunch of miniseries and uh, micro-series, or macro-series. Uh, both, actually, I believe. And uh, here we are, Alex. TMNT, that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How are they doing now? 90 issues in. Talk about it. Yeah. Okay, so like I've said a bazillion times before, issue 50 was, was the cutting mark for the Shredder. Spoilers, if you aren't caught up in the last three years, Shredder's been gone. He's been uh, decapitated. He's dead. Gonzo, worm food. And starting at issue 51 through about, what, 59, 63, somewhere in that zone, this book kind of lost its flair. It was I was really struggling to enjoy it. It's, it was kind of a chore to have to read. Um, and a lot of it was that the turtles were having to go through an issue with Master Splinter, one, having chosen to kill the Shredder, and two, Splinter now taking over the Foot Clan. And no longer being their father. So in the last 15 issues, we'll say since they got done with the Krang War, this book has been amazing. The Turtles have finally gotten back into a stride of um, trying to be a family. They're still kind of struggling with Master Splinter being the head of the Foot Clan. Uh, Mikey is the one that's been the hardest hit. He's the youngest turtle and has always lived up to his brothers. But more importantly, his dad being a dad figure. And as you know from reading the series prior, is that the Turtles and Master Splinter are a reincarnated version of Orokosaki, not Orokosaki, that's Shredder, uh, Hamato Yoshi and his four children. And so you're still getting that kind of that vibrant um, reverberation from their past. I loved this book so much now, where... There's some stakes at hand. Yeah, are you caught up all the way, Garrett? Yep, I'm kind of all the way. Okay, so the this last big battle we had is Agent Bishop, and to find out that uh, Agent Bishop isn't what I thought he was. He's not a person. He is a little um, humanoid-like creature. He is. He's supposed to be human, but he's not. Uh, he lives in a android body that looks like his dad. And he uh, set a bomb off on Slash, and Slash is dead. And I almost teared up reading that book. That was issue 88. Hmm. Uh, the, the Turtles are now going through a little bit of a, a grieving period, and we haven't even had that. This last issue that we had for Christmas time was one of my favorites. Master Splinter gets visited by a, uh, a form of three spirits, which are actually three of the pantheon-like gods that live in the Turtles' world. So you get to see the past and you get to see Splinter watches his family, you know, having fun and living up life. And then to find out that the Shredder shows up and his wife is dead. Master Splinter's wife is dead. And uh, the kids are put to death in front of Splinter. And this whole book, Splinter's, you know, I wasn't a good father. It's all on me. But look at my kids living up their life and being so happy. And that's the lesson he gets to learn is that you've done everything you could. There's no use in you bashing yourself. 
you need to know that you are a good person. And well, so I, to find I out- love that issue, but I also don't think that justifies his behavior the last like 30 issues. No, but it but then that's why you get to see the the Christmas of Futures to come where Splinter finds out that he still stayed as the head of the Foot Clan and the Shredders Clan Hamato decided we're not going to put up with this crap anymore and they actually kill Splinter in that alternate storyline. Right. And that's where Splinter finally realizes I don't want to lose my children to this this feud that we have going. And I that that actually did tear me up because that was a great scene where Splinter goes, call my kids back, invite all of their friends, invite everybody that we know to come to the throne room. And then to find out that Splinter was going to throw a Christmas party for the kids that they have taken in to have the turtles come together to show that their father isn't a monster. This This book is amazing. And there's another book that we're going to talk about that I will tell you about. Um I'm excited to see what this series will bring us, and I'm hoping one of the best characters, actually three of the best characters, show back up. Yeah, I'm pretty much in line with what uh, Alex thinks about this book. I think you know, there was that ongoing joke for like 15 issues. We were like, yeah, it's the TMNT, but uh, there's no uh, turtles in this book. So they're like taking the back seat in their own book. And I think now it's it's way more focused on the characters. It's focused on the turtles, Splinter, um, and their, uh, what's going on between their relationship. And I think it's just in this really sweet spot where everything that we've taken the scenic route on is finally giving us results and we're finding deeper motivations and the story just, just keeps getting better each issue. TMNT, Alex, do you have anything to say about the turtles anymore? Nope. Nope, I'm good to go. I said enough. Let me ask you a question about this Turtle series, because actually I saw up to volume five or six, I want to say, is on Comicsology Unlimited. Um, Do the side stories, the macro, the the micro, all those things, is it more just uh, supplemental or are they essential to the story? Like, do I can just read TMNT straight up? I I mean, like Garrett can tell you, he's only reading the the literally ongoing book. Oh, you are. The yeah. book that's one through 89. But the nice thing about getting all those side issues like the TMNT universe or getting the um, Shredder in Hell or getting all those macros, villains and heroes aside, it one introduces you to those characters if you didn't already know who they were. Um, a lot of the time it gives you more of a specific background. Like there's the Alopex issue where uh, Shredder comes to get this Arctic Fox, takes it home. And this Arctic fox has been afraid of polar bears. So all she sees in Shredder is a polar bear. He is a monster that she wants to fight, but she's too afraid to do so. Um, I think if you're not getting the minis and you want to get that much deeper into the universe, they're so worth your time because they do tie into the main story. TMAT, uh, speaking of side stories in uh, minis, Shredder in Hell. Uh, started the week that we were recording this, and Alex took a little trip down to uh, Shredder and Hell to see how he's doing. Um, Alex, what do you think about this uh, one of five minor um, uh, miniseries? I, th- I think it's one of three, actually. From what I know, at least three issues were oh, okay. um, said to be coming out, but they're, it very well is five. Usually they are a five-issue mini run. Um, so issue one came out. Raphael, uh, Raphael Albuquerque did the cover 
incentive cover looks amazing. Um, it's Santa Luco art all the way through and his story. I loved this issue. Part of it is that I love the Shredder. So you find out Shredder is a reborn again through many, many millennia. Um, he is a horrible person. And you get to to watch, I think the right way to put it, Shredder gets attacked by another version of himself in this dream, gets thrown through this lake, get torn down by like mermaid octopuses just to get pulled out by a spiritual Splinter. And Splinter had told Oroko Saki, the Shredder, that when the time comes, Splinter will join him in the dream realm or in hell or wherever he ends up to help him come back or at least find his peace. And so Shredder and Splinter are talking, having this long spiel about we're brothers, and I told you I would come back. And actually to find out that Orokosaki uh, actually does not, it's not necessarily a tender side, but he's not always such a dick, which was kind of refreshing. <clears throat> so then you get this nice little adventure. They're fighting some of the savant that they had fought before. You get these, these zombies coming back to fight Shredder going, you killed me, you piece of garbage. I just want to kill you. And Shredder goes, if I killed you in the real world, why wouldn't I just kill you again here? And that's what it is. It's Shredder just beating the shit out of everybody. Splinter gets turned back into a rat. And on the side of the panel, you hear something say, gosh, that rat sure does look familiar. And as the screen turns, you see this panel with the four demonized turtles. So as of right now, it's a nightmare that Shredder's living through. Other than the fact that he's working with splinter and you find out that shredder and splinter are quote-unquote brothers i don't i don't believe they are brothers and never were in the past but this this book is great and i think a part of it for me is that i am so excited for the shredder to come back into the turtles world uh one of the most dangerous characters ever created was the shredder i'm ready to to see some ass kick and come back to the turtles Roko saki is that is that's what you say? Are you gonna name uh, your next pet Orokosaki, and then just refer to? I, the you know, I very well might. If it's a cat, I would maybe name it Orokosaki. Mm. And then his arch nemesis could be a rat, so you don't even know. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, my cat wins more often than the rat. Shredder in hell. There you go, Alex. Team of T Universe, little Team of T corner for Alex. There. Uh, those are some turtles. Like I said, they're having a movie comeback reboot. And Alex is excited to see. What do they go? They go normal turtles, so they go with those uh, monstrosities we saw in the last two movies. That's what <laughs> I wonder. Are they gonna? Are they gonna redo like the Shrek turtles? Or are they gonna completely scratch? It's the that? same company. It's the same everybody. They're just rebooting it. I would imagine if you're gonna reboot it, the main reason is to do a different direction. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> so I know, but if it. I don't know. They'll look different. I bet they'll that look different. That makes me nervous. I bet they'll look different. I, I will probably see these ones, providing I see what the turtles look like. If they look like Shrek things, I don't need to see that. I've already seen it twice, and they're both garbage. Uh, Conan, the Barbarian. This is Jason Aaron. Um, Alex, who's the artist? You know? Do you have it right there? No, uh, I don't have it right it's there. It's like Rubik I put it away. on the cover. Um, I forgot who's doing the interiors, but... Uh, maybe I can look that up here while we're talking, but Conan, so you can look it up while you talk about it. At this well, point, it's a good thing you were just talking about garbage. Uh, at this point, uh, two issues have came out. Um, two issues of Jason Aaron's new Marvel 
getting the license back and then jumping into Conan the Barbarian. This is the main book. Some side books will be coming out too. I, I believe it's uh, Muhammad Azrar is the one doing the art. It's possible. It sounds very familiar. Uh, so we get two issues of this. Actually, I think you're right. Correct. Um, the first issue of Conan the Barbarian. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say about this series. I'm, we're not, I'm not going to go through play by play what actually happens in this book because this book I don't think is for me. Um, I enjoyed the art very much. I enjoyed some scenes. I enjoyed the panel work. Um, what I read, I was like, okay. So just some history on my relationship with Conan the Barbarian is that I the only Conan the Barbarian series I've ever read is by Brian Wood back when it was at Dark Horse. And this isn't that. So I just say that up front. That's what I was expecting. That's I don't know why, because it's a totally different writer, totally different publisher. Uh, this is more taking the approach, and I believe, Alex, you could correct me if you don't feel this way, but uh, there's a lot of text in these two books, <laughs> and I feel like, and I saw that Jason Aaron is a fan of the novels, so I do feel this is more novel-based. There's a lot of narration. There's a lot of dialogue. Um, I didn't think it was bad. I just don't think it's not the kind of Conan I want to read. Uh, Garrett is right. That is the artist. It's um, not interesting. Okay, the <laughs> art, the artwork, or the book? Oh, the book. the The artwork's okay. good. Like, I wish it was a silent book. I mean, I'd get it. I would probably still get it, but the text is just so daunting to read, and what you're reading is like boring. It's just not enjoyable. See, now, I I disagree. I actually really did enjoy issue one. I'll admit issue two was a little more of a step back, but I did kind of have a good time reading. There's This doesn't seem like a, a book that Marvel really should have picked up. This does seem more like a an image book or something where there's there's no holding you back. Because for a Marvel book, yeah. there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of bleeping out things. Yeah, I was going to say. If, if you he... can't tell the book as it's supposed to be told, don't put it in a book comic book universe that it can't be contained that was the thing when i was reading it there was places where it seemed censored a little bit and i was like if this is conan the barbarian you picked up like you were saying you pick up this you know ip and you want to put out conan the barbarian why are you now being like okay we're gonna change the way that we're telling a story and then like in the series i read prior it's a very violent book it's a very sexualized book like that's he's a he's a barbarian you know what we're talking about here i mean you've seen those movies you know what kind of guy this is and so i don't know it just felt like this was uh, the things I didn't like about it weren't that, but also I felt like that would have probably helped my enjoyment more because that's the kind of book I was expecting. Like you, like uh, Alex was just saying, like when it was with Dark Horse, it was just like, okay, here's a book. We're just going to tell a story. We're not going to be like like when he had in issue one, he goes and has uh, sex with that lady. She turns into the witch, and then when you start to have sex, like the camera goes down to the floor, and it's like I was just like, okay, then why even like why 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 okay. even go here then? Because uh, you want to show this is how he is, but you also don't want to show up. This is how he is. Um, speaking of which, which is actually, I think this is an actually bad scene. Uh, once the witch captures him, she basically monologues like what she wants to do and like all this exposition. And I was just like, that was a bad scene for me. I was just like, there's yeah. there should be a better way to tell this than you monologuing about the history of this and whatever. So I was like, I don't know. It felt like he uh, is trying to make this more like the prose novels. But then it has a lot more dialogue and narration. Like he's going with that storytelling technique. And that's not what I was expecting. Maybe if I went back and read this, knowing this already, I could get into that mindset. But that's not the mindset I went into it. And I, that's what hampered my enjoyment of those two issues. So, Yeah, I was, I was expecting like 
brawls and like freaking huge war, epic battles. Like, yes, him fighting. Like, obviously, there's gonna be some ladies in this book that he has to venture with, and it's like. I didn't get that. I got thrown into this witch story, got three pages of exposition. And then by the end, it was like, and that's the cliffhanger. And you're like, okay, cool. Oh, see, I, I actually did enjoy that cliffhanger though. in issue one where we think the witch is dead. And then to find out uh, somehow that bitch is back. <laughs> yeah. But actually in issue two, if I, Marvin, you read issue two, right? I read half of it. And then I was like, okay, okay, I can't read this. So issue two is a, a story of Conan is on the other side of the river, runs into some tribesmen. Actually, he's hunting tribesmen who are hunting a panther and he gets attacked by a giant ghost snake is what they call it. And after getting bitten and poisoned, he actually ends up passing out, not dying. Somehow everyone else dies in this book. Uh, he is so strong, so awesome. His blood is so wicked. Uh, he lives through it. He gets taken back to the, the tribesman shaman. The shaman cleans him up, fixes him up, goes, hey, bro, uh, we want you on our side to help kill these snakes. And if you don't kill them, um, we're going to fight you. And every tribe in this world will fight you. Uh, so you may not live. <clears throat> One, uh, 20 bucks says Conan would have won no matter which way he goes. <laughs> so he ends up teaming up with the shaman. And the tribes people, and they kill these snakes. It's interesting, but it's not. I was going to say, I just fell asleep during that description. So, Because this is one of those books where the stakes that they think they're giving are not. Obviously, you're not going to kill Conan off in the second issue of a book. Obviously, he's going to overcome any obstacle that's in his way. He's going to lay with anybody he wants, man, woman, or beast. Um. I, the, unfortunately, this book felt like Thor. It's a book that's telling me of his past, how he got to be an old man. And I'm tired of reading the books about old men. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if Jason Aaron's got it anymore. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say, go that far. I mean, I did think it was well done, like in terms of a comic. But like I was saying before, I don't think it's what I was expecting. So I would really enjoy it. Oh, if you go back to that Dark Horse kind of Conan era, that's... I think that's what I was looking for. And if you've read Northlanders before, like that kind of story, which is more, I don't know. I guess there's not a way to describe it unless you've read those books. It's very dreamy and like uh, like Viking-ish. Um, uh, and that's what I was expecting. But I think the, especially the narration. And I think maybe this is, I'm also clouded by, recently um, Sean Murphy went on this, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, lecture on Twitter about how narration bubbles or narration. He said that he doesn't believe in them. He thinks that it hampers the story. The art should tell that part of the story and we don't need to hear people's inner monologue. And so narration bubbles have been bothering me recently. So to have that many in this issue, I think maybe I was a little biased being like, okay, like I'm already noticing this more and more because after Sean Murphy pointed it out and then I'll get two issues where there's a lot of them. So that might also hampered my ability to like this book. But I mean, it did look great. I didn't see anything wrong with it. That would have, if somebody were to ask me, should I read this book? I would say, read it and figure it out for yourself. Like, if this is the kind of story you enjoy, I just don't like the way it was told. But then again, like, if I came back, if this whole trade is out and I read the whole trade and I came back in the show and say, hey, it's great, it could, that could also happen. So I'm not saying that this thing is like dead in the water for me. I'm just saying I, it wasn't what I, was, I wanted. So it was just okay. Yeah, but like how the show run, like how we do the show, it's by issue, issue to issue. Issue one and two aren't good enough to really bring you in. Although I did enjoy the witch part. I think I'm excited to see 
and I'm, I don't know if I'm quite on the dropping it yet. I think I might see how issue three is, but I do agree with you guys. It's not nearly as strong as it should have been. I think if this interests you, give it a shot. I mean, give issue one a shot at least. If you read it and you go, hey, that was great, then you'll probably enjoy the way that he's setting up the story and the way he's telling it. If you read it and you were on Morgan Garrett's side, it was like, it's really too much text and it was bored by it. I'm sure that's how the rest of the run will be. But that's not what, like, I went into the mentality being like, okay, this is going to be a lot more of their art telling the story, which is kind of how Brian Wood's run was. I don't remember this much narration at all or even dialogue. Um, but, you know, you know, sometimes you go into a book, especially this one, which I was psyched for. And maybe sometimes you set the wrong expectations. You go in and it's not what you wanted. And then, you know what, you're, you think harder on the book than it actually is. I actually think it's competently put together, especially art-wise. I just don't think I feel interested to read it anymore. Conan the Barbary. It's not a bad property for Marvel to have. That's a good get for them. I just wish, like Alex was saying, maybe you put on their you know, parental advisory and you go full on with it. Like, I don't know why you're turning this into one of your books you want for all ages, but... Uh, well, the weird thing is that D- yeah. Dynamite has had Conan off and on. He's teamed up with Tarzan or he's teamed up with Red Sonja. Uh, I know DC had a, a tie-in between um, Conan and Wonder Woman. You know, all, all good titles, but I think you need to stay clear of these two big universes, DC and Marvel, because you can't tell the story that needs to be told. you got to always minimize it, and that's unfortunate. This is a character that needs a big stage, needs a, a no-holds-bar on it, and go from there. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like you're, They're trying to make him Conan for the modern age, but that's not the kind of guy he is. I mean, the people especially going into that book, if you're a fan of this series, you know what to expect from it, so... That part bothered me a little bit, not too much, but also the way that he's telling the story wasn't my thing. So, uh, speaking of which, actually, uh, these two know, but I haven't told everybody yet. Which uh, you should, it's not like okay, you guys need to know, but um, I was talking to these guys. I kind of want to get rid of some of my physical comics, mostly because a I never go back and read them, and b they take up a lot of room. And actually, that Conan series uh, from Dark Horse by Brian Wood actually have I think that run here somewhere. So, if any of you guys are interested, not not in the audience, I'm talking about these two. Garrett and Alex, uh, maybe I can uh, ship those your way. Oh, here we go. Uh, we'd, have to, we'd have to look at them and see how they look. Um, I mean, they're good quality. You see my collection. Uh, here we go. Gasolina. Isn't that rolled up in a ball. <laughs> Gasolina. Garrett, you're talking about a little Gasolina. This is a book that uh, you started picking up, and I don't know if you told us or not, or you've been getting this incognito, and then one day you, you throw out that it's a great book. So how's it going so far? Uh, I think... Uh, Alex knew that I picked up a lot of the back issues for it to catch up. Um, so basically, you know, I had never seen the movie Sicario. Okay. This is what got me started on this book. I saw that. And then literally in the back of one of the image books we were reading at the time, I saw the ad for this and it said, uh, Sicario meets, uh, what did it say? Like Cloverfield. You know, and I was like, what? Okay. So I like read uh, the description. I'm like, okay. I saw the pre, I read the preview and like the art style is great. Um, and I have noticed Sean, uh, Makowicz's, uh, name as the writer. And I know that he's a huge editor of a lot of image books. So I was like, well, okay. So I'll try out issue one. Um, try out issue one. And I loved it. I thought it was so good. Uh, the art is by uh, Nico Walter and Matt Lopez. Um, but it's really, it starts out about this couple 
Uh, one is an arms dealer. The other one is an assassin. Um, around the, uh, I, I wouldn't say they're in the cartel, but they're like associated with people that are. Um, and so they are basically mercenaries for hire to uh, gain arms or have people killed. Um, well, they stumble into this huge conspiracy with this rival faction that is impregnating humans with monsters. So basically, it's kind of like Alien, where the human will get infected by either having an egg shoved down their throat or by other means, by like toxins from a certain kind of animal or whatever and in like a monster is birthed inside them uh, it doesn't happen to everybody but uh, the people it does happen to the monster basically eats those humans from the inside out so it's kind of like your same adrenaline as you know like cartels like operating at the same time that monsters are infesting inside humans in that same area so uh, it it makes you feel very claustrophobic and scared and gives you a lot of anxiety um, because you, you have to worry about like actual threats, but then you're worrying about monster threats at the same time. Um, like for instance, one of the main characters is a kid named Chico and he's got, it almost looks like, how do I call it? Uh, I don't know. It's some kind of spider basically more okay more like a scorpion there's like a scorpion that comes out of it like there's a hole in this kid's stomach it comes out of his stomach to eat anything around him so like literally the kid at breakfast might have like eggs he'll put some in his mouth and then he'll give some to the scorpion in his stomach because it's got to eat too like it's just very disturbing stuff um but I think the art style is great. It has that same visual appeal, I would say, as like Breaking Bad or Sicario, even uh, to name drop those two things. But I, I really enjoy it. It's really, uh, it's a thriller. You know, a lot of things change very quickly. Um, the action in the comic is incredible. Um, the female assassin, I think her name is Amalia. She is like. She reminds me of Forever Carlisle, like very ruthless, very precise. Um, she will, like, if you fuck with her or anyone in her family, she will kill you very quickly. Um, and then the boyfriend, yeah, he's just kind of infiltrating all these gangs to kind of see, uh, trying to protect innocent people. So, uh, yeah, that's what I think about Gasolina, and I do think that everyone should i think everyone should give at least the first volume a try and i think you'd get hooked pretty quick because sean mckwicks has been around comics a long time and you can tell that he's put a lot of thought and detail in this gasolina there you go that's a song by pitbull i believe and uh, <laughs> a comic from image comics i am very interested from your um enthusiasm for that series to check it out uh volume one how many issues out did you say i'm sorry I think they're on issue 10. 10, 10 so volume 1 should be out, and I will check here in a second. might be on Comixology Unlimited, Hoopla, everywhere you can get your image comics if you want to dip in without having to cash out. So there we go. Um, uh, the next book we're going to talk about, I believe, is one of mine, uh, Solo Marvin book, Daredevil. Here we go. Ending Charles Souls' run, and then we have a miniseries in between. 
And then moving on to Chip Sadarsky's run. Uh, not much to say here. I mean, uh, Daredevil, uh, adios. Uh, something happened to him. And uh, Phil Noto's art was fantastic. I don't think it was a great run to end on. I think it kind of uh, padded out at the end, which I wouldn't go back and tell these two who dropped it, what, two, three runs ago or two, three arcs ago to be like, hey, mm-hmm. jump in and get to read this ending. But I think it was enough to be like, okay, let me see what happens here. I'm not reading the Man Without Fear series because I don't care to see an explanation on what happens. I hate when people over-explain it. So I feel like I'm going to stay out of that. And then Chip Sarsky's run, there's enough here for me to come back and get that. And in a second here, towards the end, when I talk about my other solo book, there's enough here that proves to me that Chip can take that run and go somewhere new with it and exciting. But Charles's run was okay. Like it was, it, like it, it had high points, right? When we had, um, God, what was his name? <laughs> what was that? Muse. Muse. And it was fantastic. And it, I think it got a little bit too much concerned about aspects of Daredevil that aren't really uh, too exciting, like uh, actually being a lawyer. Like, it's okay. Like, I do like that kind of aspect of Matt, but when you get really technical and you really try to make it realistic, uh, it's not exciting. It's not exciting work, Lori work. So um, uh, when you get back into this, uh, Death of Daredevil, um, it was all right. So we'll see where it goes. Chip Zdarsky's uh, run with, I believe, forgot the artist, but it looks fantastic. Uh, I just wanted to put it out there and be like, hey, I would try out Chip's run. Charles Soule, if you want to go back and read that, you really have to be into Daredevil to uh, like that. But it wasn't bad. It was just okay, which is which is disappointing because Charles Soule has been a writer that I love. And I just feel like maybe around uh, 10, 15 issues ago, he should end it. But I think maybe he wanted to stay on to tell this last couple of stories. So there you go. Chip Sarsky starting up here soon. Actually, I think it's uh, next month. Maybe next month of that. So, uh, Blackbird, here's a book I'm very interested to hear what you guys are saying. This is a book I should be reading along with you guys, but for some reason, not. Uh, Blackbird, this is uh, Sam Humphreys and Jen Bartell. Am I correct? Yep. Uh, Alex Garrett, Blackbird. How, how's Blackbird for Image Comics? Uh, for starters, this book, every issue is beautiful. Oh, the colors Jen are amazing. Yeah. The lines are great. There's so much detail. Um, I was a little, so issue one, when we, when I started this, what, three months ago, it was, it was good. And I was like, I don't know if it's like good, good, but I just binge read two and three. Now I don't know if issue four has come out. Has it? It has. It has. Okay. I haven't read four. I don't care if you spoil it. I, I won't. I don't need to. This, this book is actually really amazing and it's got that. I don't know what the the term is I'm looking for. Well, you know what it does for me? It fills in that giant gaping hole that Black Magic is filling in my life because that book hasn't come out in a year. (laughs) Um, So I think I like this book about a character um, that is struggling to find out her like magical identity. Um, The book itself has its like own universe i mean obviously it does but i mean its own rules with like magic and the mythology there and i think that's very fun and exciting because like no one wants to read a book where it's the same rules as every other property um and there's still enough about it that i don't know everything like i don't know and i'm still learning more and more about this universe um 
I literally can't believe that, like, Jen Bartell, I, I think she should be on way more comics than this, but I'm glad she's on this one because I think she can dedicate her time and efforts to it. And it just, it is just so good. And Sam Humphreys, any new book that guy's on, I'm definitely checking out. Like, I don't know what's happened, but for some reason, when he's writing a book, he's just doing a great job. Starting with Green Lanterns, now he's on uh, this, and I think he's going to be writing Dial H for Hero here pretty soon. Like, I just, I'm really impressed by what by what he's been doing in his work lately. I think Sam Humphreys has proven to be not not even just a writer that writes a book that he puts out like this, Blackbird. But like you said, Green Lanterns, when he was writing that, you guys had nothing but great things to say. And I think a part of it is that he's he's gotten much better, at least for me personally, in telling you about the characters, letting these characters flush themselves out, having more depth to them than when I was reading Uncanny X-Force. Yeah, that book was good, but then it kind of tapered off at the end. This book, I, I don't know how... I don't know what to expect, and that's what I, I think I enjoy the most about this book. This book is new, and like Garrett said, it has its own rules, has its own um, set of physics and laws, and you know, you get introduced to that big beast in this book, and there's more to it. Just this book is great, and I wish that uh, Bartel would be on more stories, more books, because that like that Black Panther issue looked beautiful, was beautiful. Uh, this is one of those breakout artists that I need to be seeing more of. Uh, yeah. She, her issue of Black Panther was pretty great. That she did. Yeah. I mean, it's just a great creative team. Um, I would say the creatures and animals in that book look fantastic and are pretty like terrifying. I mean, they are like magical entities, but, um, and more diving into the story. Like this is a story about a girl who, basically has a very small support system. Her support system gets taken from her and she's trying to find out, find out who she is along with trying to find her family. So uh, it does have a lot of good personal moments in that book um, and a lot of cool story developments that are being revealed by each issue. Cause you know, this, we're only four issues in and I can see this comic coming out for quite a long time. Blackbird from Image Comics. You guys have uh, anything else to say? Blackbird. Sam Humphreys, no. Jim Bartell. Uh, let me just say, to uh, reiterate and comment on what you guys said about Sam Humphreys, uh, his weird, weird world right before he left Marvel work, uh, the one the series after Jason Aaron's, was actually pretty great. I read it, and uh, that was the first thing, being like, whoa, this is Sam Humphreys. And then he went on to drink Green Lanterns, which is why I believed he could probably do something with that that was interesting. So much so that when he jumped off that book, and I got one more issue of the next writer's run, which I forgot who jumped on that book. Um, Wasn't it Seeley? Yeah, Tim Seeley. Uh, I just didn't feel like it was the same characters anymore. So I realized at that point it was Sam Humphreys' version of those characters that I enjoyed, so I stopped getting that book. Uh, I've also heard Sam Humphreys' Citizen Jack book is really great um, that he's putting out. I believe that's what it's called. Um, so he is a writer, and I didn't know he was doing Dial H for Hero because I've been... I seen the ads for that in the books this week, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, maybe I should check that out." But I must have missed Sam Humphrey's name of that. I actually do think I'll check that out, mainly because of Sam Humphrey's, which is a big change from what we used to think of him. So, uh, like you said, Garrett, I believe maybe you know, he's a young guy. Um, right. I believe maybe he's finally found his voice in how he wants to do these comics, and so it's really enjoyable to see that progression in his writing. And so, 
Uh, anything he does, I would like this. Why I'm disappointed in this book was because I saw Sam was on it, and you guys were saying it's great. But then also, the cherry on top that Jim Bartel is also a great artist. So I am interested to check this out. Two issues in, right? Three, four, four. four. Uh, I'll catch up. Uh, maybe with that first trade. So that is Blackbird. Now moving on to something else is uh, starting with the B called Black Widow. Actually, Black too. Um, Black Widow, a new series starting this week. Uh, Alex, do you have the credits there? I got it on what? my phone. Uh, who who wrote and drew this book? Wasn't it the Celeska? It's sisters. Uh, sister team uh, wrote this book and drew it, I believe. Uh, look that up for me, Alex. I got to tell you something about Black Widow. Issue one came out this week. And so Black Widow has been a character that uh, has some great runs in the past, right? Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Uh, there was a Phil Noto and who was the writer on that? Phil Noto and uh, Nathan Edmondson run. Uh, that yes, was fantastic. Uh, Black Widow is a great character, so much so that I do believe she should have her own Marvel movie. Uh, then we get this series. So this Here. is going to be a five-issue mini. Alex? Here, and So you got Jen Saska and Sylvia Saska and art by Flaviano. Art by Flaviano. So we get this one issue of the five-issue mini. Uh, the story basically is that Captain America is going to a party because there's a fake Captain America there, not the Hydra one. But somebody else pretending to be him, a robot, I believe. I'm not sure. Um, clone, something like that. And him and Black Widow team up to take out that Steve Rogers. Meanwhile, commenting on how people don't trust Steve anymore. Uh, I'm going to say, Alex, what do you think about Black Widow? Let me say, let me throw your, what are your, what's your opinion on this book first? <laughs> I, I really wanted to enjoy this book and I felt like I wasted money. Because when you finally get to the last part of why this book is coming out, it's just to give her the rights to kill people. Yeah, okay. So I'm with you 100%. Um, uh, no, bummer. I haven't read it yet, but I I only got it because you guys did it now. Here's the it's, thing. The art, the art confuses me. It's like an Ed McGinnis style, but it's colored very muted. So I think it looks a little weird, which is not my big uh, excuse for this. But like Steve Rogers is drawn like Ed McGinnis would. He's like very buff and like uh i don't know but that was the first thing that i noticed that threw me off but i don't feel like these are the characters it does not feel like black widow it does not feel like steve rogers even the real steve rogers there's a fake steve rogers which is a he's a dick in the book but the real steve rogers is not far off from that in this book and i was like who is this guy there's no way he talks like this to people um and then black widow swears a lot it felt like it was trying to be really edgy and uh, I agree with what Alex said, where they're like, at the end, they're like, this is a Black Widow that's going to kill. Like, it's not a nice Black Widow. She's full on, like, not going to be a hero anymore. She's going to be a real Black Widow and start killing people. I was like, is that really what she would be doing at this time? You know what I mean? Like, I understand she died and came back, but that doesn't mean that her mentality has reset. And it seems like she's more trying to figure out her place in the world, but I don't think she goes back to killing people. But she hates that part of herself. So <laughs> she worked all that time to get out of the red. And I mean, like, I understand. So <clears throat> Garrett, do you mind if I spoil just a little bit of, Oh that? no, go ahead. Go spoil it all. I don't care. Okay. So at, she goes to Mandapore after she gets done. Beating oh yeah. I forgot Cap about this. And after yeah, yeah. she gets done talking to Captain America about 2019 and he's like, something stupid that Captain would never have said. And she wandered off. said something stupid that she never would. I mean, the thing is these characters aren't even black widow or Captain America. They're just, 
things filling a void. He's very he's much, he's very pompous, Steve Rogers in this book. He's very pompous and selfish. And I was like, that is not two things I would describe Steve Rogers as. But in this book, like, I for a second, I thought he was fake too. I don't know what's going on. I was like, well, that's the thing is that he, he and the fake captain sound the same. So I don't know how they knew the difference. Um, so anyway, she goes to Madripoor. She she's looking for I don't even know what who she's looking for anymore. She goes to this this place. It seems like a brothel, and she's talking to this lady. And this lady goes, um, "Well, I've got a job for you if you want to take it." Uh, these people have gone missing, and it's it's like God. What was the name of the the bad guy group? It's like like no restrictions or something. No like holds barred or play play for free or something horrible sounding where they're kidnapping kids and doing with whatever they want to basically what and they're doing like, is kidnapping kids and then the highest bidder they go on the, they put them on the web and they say the highest bidder gets to choose how these kids fate ends like do whatever you want to them so basically like a saw but like you pay money and then you observe what happens to them so um what and, i thought was and weird. so then she, she's like oh, okay well i guess i'm i guess i've got a reason to go kill some people it's like but that doesn't sound quite right yeah that's what i thought too is like she's trying to go out there and find a reason to kill people and like be justified in the killing but i think that still makes it malicious like you can't like you can't get away with murder looking to kill somebody like that is still illegal like you can't be like let me go in an alley where i know i'll try to get robbed and bring a gun so i can shoot somebody that's still like you playing out that murder it's still premeditated so i don't understand what like she's of two worlds in this in the first part she's like i really like i really want to kill somebody and then the second part she's like let me find a reason to kill somebody while appearing to be a, a hero but she seems like there was a scene where they showed a video. She was looking at the website, and she's like really shocked. And I was like, "Okay, that is not the Black Widow that's been in this whole issue. Like, why would she be shocked by this? The whole issue, she seemed like she's very hardened and like wants to kill people. And then she's shocked that people are doing this. She didn't she know this? Like, she is this kind of person who's delved into this dark world before. Well, and she knows she's always got her head in the intel, and you know, that just. These these weren't the right characters. It felt off. It felt off so much that like it felt like a different Marvel universe. It felt so weird. It felt like an issue that like is doing its own thing. It rewrote characters in a way that which actually made me sad because I got to the last letters page when the two sisters were talking about how big Marvel fans they are and they really wanted to black Wid- to write Black Widow for a while because they do love her and they've read like every single Black Widow comic. And I was like, but I I understand your fans, but. This does not feel like any Black Widow I've ever known, or even Steve Rogers, for that for that fact. Um, but you know, I'm just going to state who I think should be a writer for a Black Widow book would be Tennessee Coates. I think he would know how to handle this character and would have that that same feel that we get from Captain and Black Panther. It actually give that real world feel that I would enjoy. This book was was too far out of the park. It wasn't even in the park. It was over in the stadium. I don't need issue two. Can I also say, if this book was just going to be violent for violence sake and have a character that wants to kill, I could have turned off the part of my brain that was like, this is not Black Widow. Okay, this is just a cool action book. But even the action scenes are kind of like nothing. Like, there's a scene where she's doing all this stuff, but it's pulled so far back you can't see anything. And I was like, I don't understand the direction of this book at all. And this is even a book that's not for me. Like, I'm not even going to say, hey, maybe it's not for me. Somebody will enjoy this. I don't know who would enjoy this. And not, not even saying that it's like unreadable. I'm just saying in terms of like uh, characters, like who's going to read this as a fan of these two and be like, oh yeah, that's the kind of cap and Black Widow I want to see. I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. It just came out of left field that it feels like it's a whole different universe. Uh, and the art feels like two weird choices too, like to have like a kind of blocky cartoon style, but then make it muted like a, almost like a Phil Noto kind of coloring style. It just seems like it's 
two, it seems like all these people weren't on the same page and what they wanted to do is book. I think, unfortunately, I wanted the Flaviano art to be on the inside because at least I could support that. That would have been exciting. Yeah, I just definitely not on for issue two. I'm done no, with this Yeah, book. I was going to say, this was when I read and I was like, man, I really wanted a Black Widow book and it should have been easy. Like, even this storyline could have been a Black Widow storyline, but to have the characters act so strangely and act like not like themselves makes it so that the motivations they have in this issue are not of these characters. And so I just can't buy it. I mean, I can't buy into like the, they would actually do this. So, uh, yeah, I'm not in either. I'm out. So there you go. Black Widow, <laughs> uh, Garrett, maybe now that we, uh, put it so low when you read it, you'll be like, Hey, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I'll read three words a page and just look at the pretty pictures. Black Widow swears a lot too, for some reason that aren't that pretty. Um, yeah, right. It's all right. I mean, it's not bad. It's just misplaced that art, the art, the writing. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with that, but, uh, speaking of uh, new number ones, uh, I have one that I read here. It's uh, Invaders, number one by Chip Zadarski and Butch Geist, and then uh, Marcos, I believe, something. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Magno. Magno on the art. So what we have here is, and if you didn't read that minis, those miniseries leading up, you're fine, because actually they explain a lot of it in this book. Um, but we have two different stories going on. Did anybody else read this right? I just by myself, right? Yes, just uh, In this issue, we have two different storylines. One taking place during World War II, and then one taking place in modern day. World War II is all the invaders together, especially Namor, uh, telling the story how his sidekick died and how he started to lose himself a little bit during that storyline. And then now, Namor being the bad guy and all the invaders deciding to get back together to go face Namor and not ask for Avengers help. There's a part where Tony's like, hey, this is stupid. Like, why are you going after him yourself? You really should bring all of us. And he's like, no, we just need to go. We really need to go and talk to him because he needs to know that somebody who he knows really cares about him that's been with him since the beginning is seeing this is not him and he doesn't need to do this. Um, I love this issue. It was fantastic. Chip Sadarsky doing the writing. Uh, it's basically an issue kind of delving into like his, his uh, partner dies and he feels remorse and he kind of switches to being like I don't care about humans like I don't care about my Atlanteans because his partner is a human and Cap even back then was like you need to get over this I know you're just doing this because you want to seem like you can't show remorse for your your friend dying but I know you liked him Uh, I know he was your friend I know you you say you don't care about humans but I know that you guys were really good friends and that's you're mourning now and you're mourning in anger and they have a funeral scene, and Namor shows up, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, the art during that section, the World War II section, is fantastic, too. I believe that's Bush, guys. And then the future one is uh, Carlos. And then in the future, Namor is basically uh, getting a plan together to attack the surface world while his friends are getting together. Cap goes around and gets Human Torch, and Human Torch is kind of writing uh, a history on the invaders, and they go talk to uh, Bucky, and Bucky was like, he's like, it's about Namor. We need to help him. And Bucky's like, I'm in. Uh, to go find Namor and to not try to stop him in terms of beat him up. They're trying to stop him and like talk to him and be like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't you. Like, why are you going to kill everybody now? Like, what made you come here? So it's never, it's really a different type of book that I thought. It really kind of touches on, you know, even though these guys are superhuman, you know, he lost somebody who was just a human and how war can affect you in those ways and how now 
years later, one of their own uh, kind of loses himself, and they're going to go and try to help him get back to where he was. So um, I really liked it. I th- is it a mini or ongoing? Or I'm not sure. Um, it seems like it would be a mini, but I believe it, I don't think it's announced as a mini. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I'm going to be on board for the whole thing. At the end, there's a cliffhanger uh, that is, I think, really great. So I won't give that away. I'll say, actually, you should probably, uh, I would recommend this highly if anybody wants to check it out. So that's Chip Zdarsky's Invaders. Really great this week. The last book, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, Doomsday Clock, we're talking about, right? Yep, you are Doomsday correct. Clock, eight issues in as the time of this recording. Four left to go. Who knows when those will come out. By the time this is out, guess what? That nine's probably not out. Uh, you should, somebody should look that up. Doomsday Clock number nine. When's it scheduled to come out? I'm very curious when that's scheduled to come out. Uh, I saw it got pushed back a month. Well, so. probably. Jeff Johns and uh, Gary Frank doing this. Eight issues in. This is the uh, sequel-ish to Watchmen, I guess. But uh, it's Jeff Johns basically telling how Rebirth happened or what that whole story is. Um, this is part of his Rebirth story. So if you've read that, DC Rebirth, The Button. And there was one more. What was the other one? Wasn't there another story? Button, DC so, uh, Rebirth. Uh, it was in Superman, maybe? I don't know. It was, it was some yeah, story. It was a Superman story. I forgot what it was. Anyways, here we go. 13 is what it says. Two, number nine. 2.13? Yep, February 13th. Okay, so when you're listening to this, actually, the next week it'll be coming out, so look forward to that. Uh, eight issues into Tuesday Clock. We'll go, since we all read this, we'll go round, uh, roundtable style. To my right, Alex Pastrala, what do we think Doomsday Clock so far? <clears throat> so so far as a, as a whole, it's been good, but this specific issue of number eight was by far my favorite issue I've read. From this whole series, I was floored by what I was reading, and just to see the—I <clears throat> don't remember how we got here. I don't remember what happened in issue seven, and so I—who I, knows? I think what at least three months behind, two months behind, whatever. But Firestorm is 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 across the seas over in Russia. He apparently flash flash burned some peeps, so they turned to glass, and uh, I do, Superman, I just. I, this book was so good. Like this was, if we were doing this as a regular show, this would have been my my pick of the week. This was a 10, 10, 10. Well, it's very possible. This is a thirty. Since the week after this issue or this episode drops, we will be getting back to every show. We should probably put on that list. Uh, Garrett, uh, what do you think of uh, Doomsday Clock as a whole, and then the last issue specifically? Um, you know, I can't remember if you've read it, Marvin, but me and Alex definitely got some issues of before Watchmen. Um. I read two I, of the I think series. You, so. Yeah, you got two of the series. Silk Spectre yeah. and Minutemen. Right. And as a whole, huge letdown. So I uh, was apprehensive about a sequel to Watchmen, but when I heard it was Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, I was like, holy shit, that's probably going to be really great because if there's one person I trust to do a sequel to Watchmen, it is Jeff Johns. Um, and so I've loved the series. I think... Uh, it's everything I've hoped it to be. The art style is just like Gary Frank's art. Yes, he does kind of do that celebrity mocking art style, but it just it fits this book for some reason. I mean, what I picture for these characters being is how Gary Frank is drawing them. And that's that's really fun. Um, 
you know, we're introduced to some new characters, uh, like Marionette and whoever the, the mime, Mr. Mime or whatever his name is. Um, I just think it's a fun concept having Watchmen finally integrate into the DC universe. Um, obviously I'm liking the last couple of issues a lot more because Superman is more of a focal point and it seems like, uh, Dr. Manhattan has a huge reason, uh, is a huge reason for why potentially, um, Clark's parents, Jonathan and Martha Kent, uh, were, were killed, you know, cause they touch on that, I think way back in issue one or yeah, I believe it's one they flash back to his prom. And so, um, you know, I think that was done in one of Jeff John's runs, uh, having the decision to have mom, pa Kent killed off. Yeah. Um, it was when so, Gary Frank were doing the book. Right. So I think that's fun, uh, tie back and yeah, I last issue was incredible. Uh, you know, you've been waiting to see, you know, Dr. Manhattan, um, can't confirm or deny that he's in that issue. Probably is. The last issue. Um, yeah. So um, I believe, I know Pa Kent died during that run with Jeff Johns. I don't remember Ma Kent, but I know for well, sure. Well, see, you know, when in New 52, they made it so, cause like pre New 52, only Pa had died. Yeah. Okay. And then New 52, Grant Morrison made it so that Pa oh, and Ma right. yeah. died. And so this is following more of that uh, Ma and Pa dying because, like, nothing else has been established ever since. Because, um, you know, when we got New 52 and Rebirth, it kind of just melted the lines a little bit. And some things from New 52 stayed, some things did not. So I believe the Ma and Pa Kent both dying because it looks like they died in a car crash, um, which is very interesting. There's, like, this mystery. Like, I know the big mystery is the huge Watchmen thing for normal people, but when it's, like, for Superman fans, I'm like... Like who caused Martha and John, uh, Jonathan Kent to die? Um, so I'm very interested to see Superman's part in the story because I'm pretty sure that Superman and again Doctor Manhattan are going to have a huge role together in this book, whether it's as enemies or um, as some other plot device. But I do love the background, like the back material. I think that's really fun. I really miss when books do that, especially in the big two, you know, DC Comics and Marvel, like, besides just a letter page, like, it's fun to have supplemental material. And, uh, what is this, the Superman theory? Yeah. Uh, is the big thing leading this uh, Doomsday Clock, and man, it's just a really good story. It's got great DC Universe ties all around it, Easter eggs all over the place. Um, just a lot of badass action scenes and then just a lot of good character development. So, God, I just, it sucks how slow this book comes out, but I think this one's worth waiting for because if you get Gary Frank art and nobody else doing art and you get Jeff Johns writing the story, it might take a little longer to come out. Just wait for the trade, but getting it monthly, I'm more than willing to wait for the next issue. Uh, one question for you, uh, Garrett, and then I can uh, tell you what I think of this. Uh, how do you know that name? What name? Martha. Um, okay. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, wow. Actually, nice. said before. Um, uh, I really enjoyed this book. I actually thought I was caught up, but then I started like looking at the newest issue, and I was like, wait a second. So I went back an issue, and I was like, okay, that does look familiar either. So I went back another issue, and I was like, okay, this seems more familiar, but still, let me just double check. Went back one more issue, and it's like, okay, I definitely read this one. Uh, so I was three issues behind. I was on six. So I read six, seven, eight, all back to back. 
and I think Alex said that uh, he doesn't really remember what happened in the last issues. This book is very enjoyable back-to-back. I'll tell you that much right now. So if you're going to read this in trade, uh, I think that's the route I would go. Um, issue by issue is fantastic because it's very, like uh, Garrett was saying, it's very interesting to see where it's going. And I have no clue. But reading trade definitely enhances that experience. So if you are this far into it and you're not picking it up yet, I would wait for that trade. But if you are along for the ride, like the three of us, so far, and uh, this goes back to reiterate something that Garrett said, uh, I do want Gary Frank and Jeff Johns to take their time with this because it's worth it. Like that, it, that this issue was fantastic in issue eight, but the issue with uh, Marionette and, and uh, Marionette and uh, Mimes origin story basically was so good uh, that I was, I just missed Jeff Johns. I was like, okay, this is like, I, I'm getting flashbacks to good Jeff Johns. This is Jeff Johns. Like, yes, thank you for coming back to comics. I'm excited. He's doing the Shazam book. And we get more Jeff Johns. And then we got back to these last two issues. Uh, like Garrett was saying, Superman's more involved. And this is a Superman I love. I love Jeff Johns' as Superman. And Gary Frank on top is just, just makes it more enjoyable. But the way that he draws him to be like, not super buff. Like he, he definitely has some uh, muscles there, but he's not like super buff. Like he's, if you look towards his torso, it kind of hangs a little loose there. Um, his suit is not like super tight. And this is a guy in this issue, I was like, this is Superman. Like, this is the Superman I enjoy reading. This is the Superman that I I would read the Superman book by Jeff Johnson, Gary Frank. Like, they should be doing that book right now. Uh, oh, I wish they would come back for sure. It just reminded me of their run. And I was just like, God, Jeff Johns was on Superman for so long. And it's kind of what I l- love about him and Grant Morrison. To me, that's their uh, vision of Superman is the kind of Superman I love. Uh, so we have that in this book, but also the intriguing story about like what is going on. Like I, I the cliffhanger for the last issue is Firestorm blowing up and blowing up blue. So we assume it's Doctor Manhattan, and because Batman's going, it's not Firestorm, and we see Osmantius going perfect, like it, it's all starting now. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> because the whole story we've been assuming that Osmantius was trying to do something good, like he regrets the past and he lied to Rorschach. We learned that, and then Rorschach tries to kill him, and then he goes off uh, with Dr. Manhattan to talk about like what's happening. Dr. Manhattan won't help him, so it looks like maybe he's taking uh, fate into his own hands again. I'm not sure, but I am definitely there to see the rest of this. It's very well done for a Watchmen sequel. It's very, I feel like it's not the same kind of style that book is being told in, but to, to put the name on it, it definitely is uh, of great... Uh, you know, it's it's great storytelling as Watchmen was, I believe. Um, I would say it's worth it. So, like, if you were hesitant about this, being like, I don't want to read another Watchmen thing, uh, this is worth it. Tuesday o'clock. I mean, Jeff Johns said from the beginning, like, uh, he knew what it meant to be like. Hey, we're gonna do a Watchmen sort of sequel. Him and Jeff John or him and Gary Frank knew that people were gonna be judging us, being like, how can you make a sequel to one of the you know, uh, milestones of comics. And I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like game changing, but it's definitely, definitely the best that this type of book can be. It's basically an event comic, which is really taking the concept of being an event and changing stuff forever. And, uh, kind of putting it out there being like, okay, I guess they could like Dr. Dr. Manhattan could do something that can change this whole universe because 
I, that's what happened. Life of Rebirth that we're assuming from this story from the beginning that Dr. Manhattan was the one who did it all. So uh, this is finally at one. Finally, the marketing catches up with the storytelling. Like this actually will have effects on the DC universe. And so for that kind of event to be this good in terms of art and writing, uh, I think it makes it a uh, must read for anybody who's a DC fan or even comic fan. So uh, I loved it. And I actually want to go back and probably, I'll probably reread the whole thing before nine uh, comes out because it's really enjoyable reading back to back in those three issues. I was just like, I got to go back and read this whole thing again. I feel the same way. Like I think to really get it like before, I mean, you're obviously going to have some extra time before issue nine comes out. Um, go back, reread it all. Cause I think it'll make that ninth issue that much greater. But even if you don't, I think they do Gary Frank and Jeff Johns do a good enough job to kind of catch you up to speed. Uh, for the most part, but typically I can remember as soon as I start reading, like what happened last issue. Also, I do enjoy this is a little. Side I, had no, I had no Go idea ahead. what I read last issue. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I this is a little side note, but Black Adam being in this book just makes me excited because I I've I don't see much Black Adam anymore, and so him being the savior of the metahumans and having the. Uh, utopia for them or like retreat that they can go to uh i think that's a great part of the story so well i think what's really refreshing for this book though is the fact that it, the other dc characters that most everyone would know superman batman black adam is a, a surprise for me to see and to not just be he's not a bad guy he is just a guy doing what he thinks is right and i really i like that um it's fun to see these characters be brought into that watchman world and to know that they coincide together that I, 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 this is one of those books that if I wasn't on it already, I would feel like I'm missing out just for this is a big book and for it being a, uh, an event that hasn't bled into anything else until it's done. I really appreciate. Um, I think actually, actually that Alex really encapsulates what is great about this being like an event book, usually in an event book, you know, uh, not usually, but the way it's been going recently is that, they make it like a world-changing event, but we only get the main players. Like we don't get a, like the characters who you never see, see B-level characters. So, to, so to have um, this book have characters in it that you're like, oh, I haven't seen this guy in a while, makes sense because if it's affecting the whole world, they're all gonna speak up. So even that scene with all the villains, like when Joker comes and he's looking for some freeze and they're not sure what happened to him, and he shows up, and we have Scarecrow, we have Riddler, we have Penguin, we have uh, Monsoon. Uh, really? It was his monsoon. I believe it was. Um, no, not monsoon. Somebody was there. I can't think of his name. Yeah. Uh, typhoon was there, and um, that whole scene, I was just like, okay, this is like, obviously, if they're all getting together, be like, what the hell is happening going on here? And they have Batman there. They're gonna bring everybody there. Like it. That's what makes it feel big. Is that we're seeing characters come out of the woodworks from everywhere, and not just like the usual like five people who are major players and that's it. So uh, I love this. It is like Garrett was saying, like by the time you're listening to this, it's very easy to go back if you want to and find those uh, issues, especially digitally, if you want to find them and catch up. But if you want to wait for, wait for the trade, uh, it's also going to be great in trade. So Doomsday Clock, Gary Frank, Jeff Johns, uh, very great uh, in quotations, I put event book coming out right now. Those are some comics we haven't talked about it in a while. Those are some recommendations. We got a nice chunk of show show for a year. Uh, let us know what uh, you're reading. 
that is good. Very uh, lesser-known books that maybe nobody's talking about. WednesdayComics605 at gmail.com. That's where you send any kind of email. Or if you'd like to use your voice instead, 605-215-1849. Drop us a line. Voicemail. Like I said, when you call, there'll be a little Google answering machine, and she'll let you uh, drop a line there and let us know what you're thinking. Also, if you don't like uh, calling because you know you won't be ready, feel free to record uh, using your phone a little voice memo, and you can email it to us, and I'll also list, we'll list that and play it on the show, too. So that way, at least you can delete it if you don't like it. On Twitter at Wednesday Comics, at Alex Mastralo, at Garot2188, at Marvin underscore Sagoro. Facebook.com slash Wednesday Comics Podcast. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Uh, also, that Facebook page. Make sure you share it with your friends and give it a thumbs up. Uh, you know, where you also uh, can uh, do is go to rootsoftheswampthing.com, your definitive source for all things Swamp Thing. Uh, the TV show should be coming out soon, right, Garrett? When is it? Uh, no, no, no. But there's uh, February is Doom Patrol. And then we, got, yep. uh, then we got a uh, uh, what show next? Star Girl. I think Swamp Thing's actually no, that's not right. Um, Swamp Thing's in the mix. They're around there. It's coming soon. Yeah, Doom Patrol will be first, but I think yeah, I think Swamp Thing will either be March or this May. Year. It's this year. So by the time you're listening to this, it's coming soon. So you better go to Roots of the Swamp Thing. get familiar with Swamp Thing, and then go and subscribe to DC Streaming Service to watch James Wan's Swamp Thing. Uh, by the way, I will say in this podcast. And I probably will say on the forecast just because it'll come out sooner. I did see Aquaman, James Wan's Aquaman, by the way, and I loved it. I thought it was great. So, yeah, I forgot that you went to go see that. It's awesome. Uh, very surprised me. And uh, I think actually Jason Momoa is a good Aquaman. So, um, yeah. That is Aquaman. Speaking of which, uh, no, not really. We got a book club, right, Garrett? Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People probably presents Criminal Number Criminal Volume One. Excuse me, that's Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Val Staples on colors. That is going to be our first, or excuse me, not our first, uh, our next uh, book club book to coincide with the new ongoing series Criminal. So make sure to pick that up and read it. By the time you're listening to this, you got uh, you got about two months left. So uh, you know, but you know what, you might be. Uh, Read that first one, and you want to read the rest of them. So go ahead. I would recommend it. Um, and maybe by this point, I'm not sure how many issues of Criminal will be out. Probably two. But, uh, so you can go back and pick up those two series, too. So uh, I believe that's it, right? Oh, YouTube. Go to our YouTube ch- uh, channel. Listen to the, uh, this show and the forecast or watch the gauntlet on YouTube. Search for Wednesday Comics. You know what? Well, Holland, does everyone have to pre-order Holland Files number three? Holland Files number three is available to pre-order. I'm not sure. Uh, but you can go to... Roots of the Swamp Thing.com to check that out. And you can email or contact uh, John on D- on Twitter at DC World Swampy or Facebook.com slash uh, no, Wednesday. Roots of the Swamp Thing uh, to ask him. Uh, he will get back to you and let you know. But I think by the time you listen to this, it's still available for pre-order. But you've got to get in quick. It's a very limited run. He does it all by himself, publishing, uh, puts it together. The man is a one-man show over there. He is a powerhouse of a swamp thing. So he is over there putting out that book by himself. So it's a limited run and you got to go pre-order. Otherwise you're going to be left out in the swamp. Um, uh, a lot of good books, some very disappointing, some very great. Uh, but actually I'm glad that the one I was looking forward to the most, uh, invaders, I actually enjoyed. So, uh, what you blackbird? I got to get into that. You guys have been praising that. Uh, and also gasolina from, uh, Garrett's recommendations, Alex, you know, I thought about doing, I thought about reading Shredder in Hell number one, 
being like, okay, I'm going to surprise Alex with this. But then I also thought I might be not knowing what's going on, so I didn't do it. Um, you don't. You, the weird thing is, you don't have to read anything prior because it does give you a little recap page. Oh, okay. I thought it was it's good, and that Santa Luco art he's been away for a while uh, looked amazing. That's why I wanted to read it because I believe one of the micro series he did the art for, and I remember telling you, being like, he's great, a great artist, and you're like, yep, he's one of my favorites. So uh, there you go, Team NT, go get that run. Like I say, you got to catch up before that movie comes out, so you know everything about the turtles <laughs> because they will not show that on TV on the movie. So. <laughs> Um, for Wednesday Comics, my name is Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Keep turning those pages. <laughs>